lest you have to say, no, someone want to go to the puppet show. Um, I, I want to do wish a happy 4th of July weekend uh, to, uh, to all of you, and as you uh, have that celebration. And even in this time, I know some have even expressed that some of our, it feels like some of our freedoms are going away. Uh, but one thing I want you guys to rest on is that we are all free in Jesus Christ. We are free from sin, because he has taken it. And I want us to rest in him and not the world. And so as we go through this, we do have many freedoms. So may we continue to worship and trust his name. Uh, we're going to be in Acts 26 today. We're going to be uh, processing the whole chapter because, and thank you, uh, Stephen, for reading earlier. We're going to be doing uh, this law and order vision of heaven. And the one thing that, uh, as I was in my D group this week, he had started talking about the readings feel very, like, episodes, like, episodic. Like, it's this episode and this episode. And he started reminding me, as I'm reading Acts 26, of a show called Law and Order. So let's begin. In the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate and equally important groups, the police who investigate crime and the district attorneys who prosecute the offenders. These are their stories. Yeah, you know, you know you've all heard that. Come on. We got There we go. Won't be the last time you hear it. Just to give you a heads up. We're going we're gonna to review from the last episode of this law and order process. This, what is going on to get to 26. Um, so let's, just, let's talk a little bit about what is going on in Paul's life up to this. So this is happening around 48 AD. And he's given his story. So Paul has been giving his story to the Sanhedrin. who are saying that Paul is basically in charge of this cult. Okay? And then he's, they're trying, that Paul is also trying to tear down the religious structures that have been built up. And he is starting riots. You know, and that's in Acts 24. So Governor Felix had a, basically an investigation uh, and found out Paul is basically innocent. He knows that Paul does not really deserve this. But, like usual, he wants to keep a comfortable relationship with the Jewish leaders. And another thing that was fun to sort of talk about, and I think we all talk about that, doesn't that sort of seem like the world today? Like, hey, I'm going to, I know something's sort of true, but I don't want to make this person mad, so I'm going to sort of try to walk the middle line and make everyone happy, even though I should probably be standing on truth. But in the end, we really compromise. And we're like, oh, I don't want this person really mad, or this. And so Felix is walking this, this sort of rope right here uh, going on. So... So governor, after Governor Felix has done this investigation, he kept Paul under house arrest. And he, so basically two years then passes. I love how it's just like, sort of just like, we just jumped over Paul spending two years in prison. You know, it's not that like, oh, Paul's just, you know, Paul's got this house arrest, but he is under watch. And so he now has to go. And so what happens now is after those two years, Festus is now replacing Governor Felix. With this change, basically the case is now reopened. Okay? The case has been back to being reopened at basically another episode of Law and Order. So as it's been opening, the Sanhedrin wants to go after Paul and to squash this. Now, there is a couple things that Paul has going in his favor, like maybe you know. One, he's innocent. But two, he's also a Roman citizen. So that gives him a different level of authority, a different level of how to maneuver around this situation. So... This is taking on some time. This is going on. So Paul then appeals to Caesar to take his court to act in Acts 25 that he is appealing to Caesar. So Governor Festus is obligated to send Paul's case to Rome. But the problem is he has really no charges to send with him. To do it. it does not look good. You have to imagine Festus is now in this situation. He's now a new governor taking over, trying to keep the peace. He's trying to figure it all out. And then all of a sudden, he's got a Roman citizen that has Jewish issues that he's got to send to the highest courts because he couldn't deal with it. And he doesn't really have any real charges to do. So what does he do? He goes and brings up King Agrippa II in to help deal with this situation. Because King Agrippa has had some past dealings with the Jewish people, with the Jewish uh, history. But King Agrippa, if you don't know, also has some history. His grandparent, his grandpa, as I like to say, was the one that killed his babies in Bethlehem. And his dad is the one that 
kill James. So there has some history going on with King Agrippa. But King Agrippa knows the Jewish history more than Festus and more because Festus is new to the situation. So basically, it comes into another case of getting in closer to Acts 26. Now, I just want to do a quick, this is a traditional scene. Many of law and order here going with, in verse 26, Paul is going to be polite and kind. He's going to know who's in charge. He's going to know greetings. And what is also very interesting, many people on the outside are going to know the case. Okay, this is not just like two people. Many people are knowing the case. The Jewish people bring the case. When Paul is able to freely speak, they're going to know what's going on. He's going to talk about his history, of where he grew up, who he studied under, then even his time as a persecuted Christian. Then he's going to tell his time of belief. Then it goes to his defense of his belief. And he goes on to say that Jesus has been the one that has given him this heavenly vision to go to the Jews and Gentiles and to spread the gospel. And these things were even predicted in the Old Testament. Let's begin the episode with law and order. Nice. I want to make sure I got one more in at least. Let's start in Acts 26, verse 1. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I live ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conform to the strictest sects of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? We're going to stop there for a second. Verse 7 and 8 is really interesting because the Pharisees were hoping for the fulfillment of Moses. So they know the Old Testament. They know that they're the fulfillment of Moses. And this is not some wild speculation that there's a hope coming, the Messiah coming. That even uh, as you're uh, looking back throughout Scripture to talk about the angel of the Lord, that there will be this coming of the Messiah. So Paul, though, is saying that the hope and the reason that they are doing all of this stuff that they've been doing has been fulfilled. An example of this is my girls love water parks. Okay? Most kids love water parks. So, but like everything, you gotta get ready for a water park. You gotta get a swimsuit. You gotta get sunscreen. You gotta get snacks. You gotta get the whole towels, everything. You gotta pack up. And then when you're on the drive to the water park, another great thing is you have to be asked 532 times, are we there yet? Are we there? We just pulled out of the parking lot. My favorite is on the trip to Florida. So it's like, when we pulled out of the, the drive. We're literally our driver. Are we still in Indiana? It's like, with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. 
I want you to process right now in your own life. Do you remember your life before Christ? What I find completely amazing, Paul is laying out a lot of his sins, his faults, his failures onto the court. He hasn't forgotten his sins, but he's been forgiven. I love the body Bible, and I've said this before. It's something to the effect is God doesn't let us forget our sins because it helps us to remember not to do them again. Some of you still hold on to sins that you've been forgiven for a long time. And remembering them isn't always a bad thing, but if you let that seep in that you aren't forgiven of them, that's another problem. If you've put and asked for forgiveness, you must trust that Jesus is going to forgive. What a great example of Paul's life, of laying down, of trying to get people to blaspheme. The sins that I think about in my own life aren't the ones before I found Christ. It's the ones after that I struggle with. How could I have such a great, holy God, one full of joy, love me, and I'm with him, and I still falter. I still sin. Those are the ones that hurt. But that's why you must trust in who Jesus really is. He's forgiven. He's a God of grace and mercy. So if you've asked for grace and mercy, you must trust in that. And I pray that for you today. But always with Paul, there's the redemption. He goes, let's continue in verse 12. On one of these journeys, which I love saying, on one of these journeys that I'm going to persecute Christians, like on one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. Just to let you know, his authority is about to change. He has authority from the chief priest. His authority is about to change. And about noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. We talked about this uh, last year, about kicking against the goats, kicking, about, kicking against something, you know, the goats are pointing a stick, kicking against something, and you're hurting yourself. You're, you're fighting the, end of the, the wrong thing. You're fighting, you're hurting yourself. So verse 15, Paul asked a great question. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. All of us, all of us, all of us that are believers have had a moment that you went from darkness to light. There's no middle ground. There was a time, and maybe it wasn't like Paul, where there was the light from heaven shining down. But there was a time when the scales got removed from your eyes. Mine happened in the 1967 Chevy Bel Air. When I was around eight years old with my father. When, when I was like, I need to be Jesus. This world's not about me. And that's really hard for a nine-year-old to understand that the world's not about them. But I want to think for your guys' self for a second. I'm going to give you an opportunity. In one to two sentences, this is not a full-out testimony. In one to two sentences, I want you to maybe share when you realize Jesus was God. And you can just say it out. Say it out. At church camp. At church camp. 13. Anyone else? What? At your adult baptism. Anyone else? Driving down the road. Down the road. Love it. When you transferred to the college. Thank you. When did you find when did you find God? When did Jesus become real? In a sense, one or two sentences. Anyone else? Anyone else? Say it in a sentence or two, Bob. October 1994. I'm glad you remember it. Anyone else? Anyone else?
I want us to remember when the scales came off. I want us to remember what Christ has done for us. And I love it. Some, I remember the date exactly. Some, it's been like, well, what's that? Or maybe, but like, you know when it was. You know when your life had changed. Your life can no longer be the same. It can no longer be about yourself. It's different. It's, it's been there. And we must look at that, at that and have that be a great remembrance. I love how Paul shares his story. Paul's been redeemed. He's persecuting Christians. He's passing his votes against it. And yet, God's love is good enough and covers enough of his sin. He's covered mine. And he's covered yours. Verse 19. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision of heaven. And this is what got me in the whole chapter to begin with. Vision of heaven. What is that? Digging it down the rabbit hole. This could be a full sermon in itself. Many people believe there's multiple different areas to think about. This could have been Paul's talking about his first initial meeting, what he just told about when he was blinded for three days and Jesus uh, met him. It could have been the further instruction Paul received over the years directly following that. It could have also been when Jesus' words uh, that Paul received while he was in a trance when he, was, uh, when he returned to Jerusalem in Acts 22. Jesus had warned Paul that the Jews in Jerusalem would not accept this message. He needed to go out into the world and to preach to the Gentiles. And what's, what's unique is because he's got to preach to the Gentiles is why he's now on trial. Because he's now preaching to the Gentiles. And so this heavenly vision has been given to him. When you've been given, I love it because, I love this because when Paul knows he's going to get to Rome, when Jesus tells him he's going to get to Rome, he knows he's getting there no matter what. There's a total, you know, do you think, I don't think Paul was like, okay, I'm not getting there anymore. He's like, I'm going to get there. I might get beat up. I might get bruised. I might be under jail. I don't know. But I'm going to get there. I know where I'm going. He's had the vision. It's that directed. What is your vision? What is God's vision in the scripture given to you? To love people, to direct. How has God shown up in your life? Directed through the word of God, showing you how to live. He hasn't promised you big houses. He hasn't promised you, but he's promised to be there, which we'll get into right now. Verse 20. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and then all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day. You do realize Paul is on trial for his life. Multiple times, people have tried to kill him. There's also there's been a pact made that they won't eat again until he's dead. He's been beaten. He's been beaten. But he still says, but God has helped me to this very day. Woe to me. I get upset when my oil light gets on. I get upset on earthly, fleshly things. But I love how Paul is talking, but God has helped me to this very day. Because you just don't have salvation. You have the God of the universe helping you. The God of wonder. The joy of God. The God of the universe is with you. Do you see that in your times of trial, in your times of joy? That God is with you. You just don't have salvation. At the, this is not a thing like, okay, I got a check card, and at the end of life, when I die, that's when Jesus shows up, and I'm saved at that moment. No, he's with you right now. Through the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful thing. But God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen. That the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of life to his own people and to the Gentiles. I want to be just like Paul in the sense that Paul is part of this beautiful lineage. Paul is bringing back, because all the Jewish people and king people, they all know what Moses had said. And they're trying, he's trying to bring it back to them, being like, you know what Moses had said. 
And if people in 200, 2,000 years ago find out how, like, how podcasts work, and they somehow get on John Pelz's podcast, I don't want them to hear me. I want them to, me, them to hear me talking about the Bible and the beautifulness of the Bible of what Paul said. And it goes back not just to Paul, because if I reference Paul, Paul's bringing back up Moses. And it is a beautiful structure, a part of this journey that we are all into. If you are a believer in Christ, you are in the family of Christ, and you are in it from the beginning with Adam. What a beautiful thing. You are not just this little tagwall on the side of it. You are a part of this beautiful tapestry that God has given us, the Bible. And that's why I want to stand up, because if it's John Bell's word, they're going to delete the podcast in two seconds. But if it's a, it's a Paul, and if it's Moses, and if it's the word of God, then there's something to stand on. And I want your life to stand on that. How beautiful. Verse 24 will be another time where I go there. Because at this point, Festus interrupts Paul's defense. He says, you are out of your mind, Paul. He shouted, your great learning is driving you insane. There will be times in the world where you will be looked at as insane. Why do so many Christians follow the trends of the world? It's to stand in. The world will look at you crazy if you love your enemy. They will look at you crazy if you stand up for God's truth. They will say you are crazy if you follow the Bible, what the Bible says for your life, and not what they tell you. And I like how Paul responds in verse 25. I am not insane, most excellent Festus. Paul replied, what I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice, because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in a, such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? This is working to the final act of the episode of Law and Order. Paul replied, a short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. Short time, long time, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for those in chains. Sometimes when I read something, I write down the first thing I respond to. The first thing, like my first response, my first response was two words. Let's go! Paul's got, he knows, because what Paul's done here beautiful, and I'll get to that in one second. It may be a short relationship in your life, or it might be one that takes many years, but I pray to God that all who are around you and me will become what I am, a child of God. Jew or Gentile, rich or poor, the faraway sinner that is persecuting Christians right now, to the ones that think right now they're sometimes spiritual. Paul and I and all believers want the good news to change the hearts of those people. Just like Paul, we can only present it. It's just like with others, Paul will decide what to do. People will decide what to do with it. Verse 30, the kings rose, and with him the governor, Bernice, and those sitting with them. After they left the room, they began saying to one another, this man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. And Grippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. This is beautiful. Paul's the one on trial, correct? But he switched it. Paul switched it. He's not on the one on trial anymore. When he's saying this stuff, the short term, a short time, or long time, I pray that God not only you, but all who are listening to me today, may become what I am. He has switched it. They are on trial. They have to answer the question of who Jesus is. They are the ones that have to answer the question of salvation. They are now because what Paul's doing great is he's laying out the gospel. He's laid it out to them. Paul knows where he's going. He knows what he's doing. Our imprisonment is not going to change that. You know what's really uh, interesting? Is after Paul says these words, what happens? The king gets up. He's done. He is at that confrontation point where he has got to make a decision. 
And a lot of times, people walk away from it. Walk away from it and go away from it and don't deal with it. Don't deal with it. I don't know who in your life right now needs to continue to hear the gospel, but you need to keep on spreading the seed. I don't know right now if you've given up on someone because they've continually walked farther away from God. The gospel is still for them. They can't run far enough. And we need to pray. As we learned in Sunday school, there are people around the world that are suffering for God's name. And they're going there, and many of us look around what's going on around in our world today, and we're like, that is totally against what God wants. But we still need to pray for them. We still need to share the gospel with them. We still need to, if people, people need the love of Jesus. They don't need another program. They need the gospel of Jesus, of Christ, and his death and resurrection and redeeming love. Some of you right now might have given up on people around your neighborhood. Or maybe it's family members. I ask that you don't. Short time or long time, there's still breath in your lungs. There's still, some of your knees don't work quite as well as others, but you still get on your knees and go to a holy God and pray and witness. And no matter what, no matter what we are going through, it might be a trial or it might just be at our local grocery store. We're walking with the Holy Spirit. He will give us the words. He will give it to us. So I challenge that for you today. Let's pray and sing. Thank you, Father. I thank you so much for what Paul has shown us today. I thank you for Acts 26. I thank you for it all. Just to be able to see the redemption of a man that has told the story of all the failures that he's done, but also now he wants everyone to be like him because he knows the truth. He knows the way. And just like that in our lives, if we're struggling, maybe ourselves, may we rest in you, trust in you, because we know we have a God that is helping us and directing us and guiding us. May we trust in him. And may we also not give up on those around us. Because it was not all about Paul. Paul's great defense was the offense of the gospel. He wasn't worried about saving his life. He was worried about saving the other people's lives around him. People that he knew and people he didn't know. His life was meaningless compared to theirs and their eternal salvation. May we live like that. God, you are a holy, holy, holy God. Holy God. And may we worship us. In Jesus' name. Amen.